I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands that we're recording this podcast on today and pay my respects to elders past and present. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I do think it is important to convene, not just with writers, but other artists as well. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are incredible writers, um, but also friends who work in other areas or are completely removed from the arts. And I actually find it really important to talk about my ideas with with family, with those mates, um, with artists, just to kind of get a sense of, you know, is it going to land with different audiences? You're listening to the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. My name's Justin, or you can call me Stin. On today's episode, we're venturing over to the Griffin Theatre to talk with Palawa playwright Dylan Vandenberg about his new play, Whitefella Yellow Tree. Dylan shares his insights about how he broke his way into playwriting and why this play is inherently unique and important to his identity. Follow us on Instagram at TheatreThoughtsAUS to find all of our content, including behind-the-scenes footage which features on our YouTube channel. As usual, switch on those thoughts and get ready for a new episode of the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of the Theatre Thoughts podcast. It's actually quite good timing because this is NADOC week. So we are talking with a Palawa playwright from northeast Tasmania. Uh, they were a participant in the Ilbajiri Theatre Company's Black Rights Program. They studied drama at the ANU and the State University of New York. They also received the 2021 Nick Enright Prize for Playwriting for his play Milk, and in 2020 won both the Griffin Award and the Rodney Seaborn Playwrights Award for the Gothic Revenge drama way back when they are putting on their play White Fella Yellow Tree at the Griffin Theatre from the 12th of August to the 17th of September. Please welcome to the podcast, Dylan Vandenberg. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Justin. That was quite a, a list of things. I, I never heard it all in one spot before. So thanks for sharing. <laughs> no, that's all right. I found um, as I've like started, that's kind of like how I've started doing the most, like the beginnings of my podcast and all the artists and creatives are like, oh my God, like, wow, that's a lot of stuff <laughs> when you look at it all in one. Definitely. I'm, I'm surprised. I think you should write my bios from now. So thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome it's good it's good to see like the things that um w- the artists and the creatives that we have on the podcast um and see what they've done because i think when you kind of look back on everything you do as one you, you don't really recognize like well i mean time flies doesn't it you don't really recognize how much you've done and you've done a heck of a lot and you're still doing a lot so where i want to start is uh introducing yourself to the listeners and and kind of seeing um, who you are and, and what's your um, your piece of theatre that you've got for yourself. Yeah. First, I'll just say a great point about not kind of taking stock of what we've done. I think as artists, we're always thinking about the next thing. So it's not very often you kind of get to think about what, what you've just done or what you've done over the last couple of years, particularly with COVID, I think, as well. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But yes, my name is Dylan Vandenberg. I'm a Palawa, Palawa playwright, originally from the northeast of Tasmania with family connections to there and the Bastrade Islands where my great-grandmother was born. Uh, but I've been living on Ngunnawal country, Canberra, for a long time now. Um, and, uh, you know, very grateful to to create my work between here and, and Gadigal land as well. 
and yeah, really excited um, about this upcoming kind of you know piece of theatre with um, with Griffin White Valley Yellow Tree. But it is a culmination, I guess, of, of my writing work over the last couple of years. I'm fascinated by stories around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander identities, Black identities, relationships with with settlers, and so on. Um, and so that's a kind of, I guess, a real theme of my work. But I didn't start as a playwright. Actually, that was that came later. I, I, I was an actor to start with, and I thought you had to be super smart to be a writer i thought oh i'm not i'm not yeah. tom stoppard i'm not joanna murray smith i'm not wesley you know i, I can't do it <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but then i soon realized that uh no anyone can and should should write um i think you know every, everyone's mm. got a story to tell um so when i was acting and i used the term loosely because i think my acting work kind of dried up and i thought what can i do next what's What's next i thought if no one's going to give me roles i'll start writing for myself yeah uh and that's kind of where my my first play milk came from um which you mentioned earlier which was kind of an exploration of my family history um uh from the bass strait and from tasmania um and um right yeah yeah that kind of kicked it off for me really and now I, i i love writing i love being in control i love putting in weird stage directions and going oh that's a director's problem so it's, yeah. a, it's a power yeah trip. it's a power <laughs> trip that's gone to my head now justin <laughs> that's so good that's so good i like i like when you see that in plays um we went to re- what did we see recently we saw cleansed by redline productions and um and I, I remember studying Sarah Kane in uni, but I'd never seen one perform because when you read her stage directions, you're like, no way, no way happen. will that yeah. ever be done. I like that. I like seeing the, the playwrights go, yeah, no, that's a director's problem. The most fun. The most fun you can have as a writer. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess if I were to summarise like a couple of things you said, your, um, I guess what inspires you as a playwright is your background and your history and your identity. Um, and I like especially what you said, um, or not especially, I hate when people do that, especially, um, what you said about everyone has their own story to tell. And I think that's why a lot of actors become um, playwrights or turn to playwriting because they have everyone has stories to tell and i think the australian theater scene is so diverse or it can be more diverse in in what we're putting up on stage like i was talking um with a couple of our writers recently right now in sydney there are i think three different performances all with asian representative representation mm-hmm. um there's one at sydney theater company griffin um and uh, over at belvoir and like that's that's a moment i think that a lot of people aren't realizing because we don't we a lot of the works that we've seen are mostly led by you know white voices i Mm. suppose definitely i think i think it's amazing and wonderful and needed that that people from different sides of the fence are jumping in and and writing i'm talking about actors or people who are designers and shifting into writing and so on because i think for a long time we've had this singular idea of what a playwright is someone who's clever as i said before white um who you know is going to write about a dinner party um you know, and I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't mind a play about a dinner party, but come on. My God, you're so right. I've never thought about it before. They're all about dinner parties. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's Patricia Cornelius who once said that she would do something expletive if she ever had to sit through a dinner party play again, something along those lines. Yeah. I tend to agree. Um, so I think it's the, this idea of what a playwright is is shifting. Um, and I think the, the state of our industry at the moment means that we all kind of have to try a hand at different things. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, it's an exciting thing. Well, let's talk about White Fella Yellow Tree then. So I'll give a bit of a, a background on the, the plot. So um, 
this is kind of verbatim off, um, off everything I found <laughs> online. Um, so it's a gripping and heartbreaking tale exploring how the development of queer Aboriginal identities was impacted due to British colonisers importing their ideas and their laws surrounding homosexuality. That in itself, I, I think I can honestly say like hand on heart, I've never seen anything like that done on stage. Like that kind of, those two sides of history and representation don't generally performed, I suppose. So the story follows Nettie from the Mountain Mob and Ty from the River Mob, who meet under a lemon tree to exchange information about the movements of the white fillers. After a rough start, their fragile friendship fruits into a heady romance, and then soon Nettie's sister is taken by the white fellas and he joins them as a tracker in order to help find her. He absorbs her ideas and their customs, bringing them back to his meetings with Ty and causing the relationship to fracture. Ooh, juicy. Very juicy. Again, a lovely snappy sum up. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> no, it's all right. I, I was like, as I was reading, I was like, I hope this isn't spoilery, oh. but, but it's, it's good to see like the over encompassing thing of it. So where did, where did this story come from? That's a great question. Um, and I'll give you a less succinct answer. Probably it'd be a bit rambling, but, <laughs> um, I, I, I had this, this idea for the play a few years ago, I generally, because I'm lazy, I have an idea and it takes me years before I actually do anything about it. But I um, had this idea for a place set under a lemon tree. I didn't really know what it was going to be about or what it would be, but this idea of a, a romance, a love story between um, two boys on the cusp of manhood. Um, and it was around that time that I saw a tweet by Anthony Mundine basically saying that queerness didn't exist in First Nations cultures, that it was forbidden. And I just thought... Oh, wow. Oh, that's, you've got no idea. Oh, <laughs> so, oh I decided. Oh, oh Anthony. Anthony. What are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> um, and I was, uh, I thought that, but I was also really concerned and distressed too, because, you know, how false and disorienting to read that, um, your identity is at odds with, with your culture, um, and how destabilizing mm. to see non-First Nations people cling on to comments like that because Anthony is a, is an Aboriginal man. Um, and, and, you know, assume that they carry some weight because of his, um, because of his heritage and background. Um, because it's just not yeah. true. And so I wanted to write a play that kind of spoke back to history and filled in those gaps because the history we have of, of queer blackness is through a white lens and therefore it's generally being, being erased. Um, and I thought I wanted to kind of, um, you know, have some fun. <laughs> and fill it, fill it, fill those gaps again, uh, and write something a bit camp, a bit lovey-dovey, um, but also that actually engaged with this idea of colonization, erasing those identities as well. The word is out. The Theatre Thoughts Monthly is here, and it's your chance to get exclusive giveaways, podcast episodes, reviews, and more direct to your inbox. Don't wait until next month. Get this month's Theatre Thoughts Monthly now. It takes two seconds to sign up. Simply head to the link in this episode's description and select the Theatre Thoughts Monthly option to fill in your details. It's that simple. You'll receive links direct to this month's edition of Charlotte's Cheap Thrills, early access to an exclusive giveaway only for Theatre Thoughts subscribers and the early goss on our next massive star on the podcast. Now, let's get back to today's episode. It's interesting because it's like bringing a modern, or more modern, I should say, uh, story that a lot of people would be connect with, but setting it in a time where a lot of that would be forbidden and um, taboo, I suppose. Definitely, definitely. I love to play with time 
in my work. Um, again, because I'm lazy and I don't want to be, you know, specific to any period. Yeah. <laughs> I want to throw it all together. Um, but I thought, you know, I wanted to present a modern relationship in a historical context and kind of go, um, you know, this this was what we lost, essentially. Um, and, mm. uh, yeah, I'm going to stop rambling, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's good. Um, well, you've got um, two amazing actors um, performing in it as well. So you have Vera P. Warapi Man and Helpman Award winner Guy Simon, as well as um, we're a jury man, Callan Purcell, um, who I actually saw in Hamilton. I think I saw him perform as, as Hamilton the time I went. He was very, very good. Uh, I'm so stoked with, with the cast. Those two, two uh, gents are incredible. Um, and working with them, um, had the opportunity to kind of have a read with them and, and um, and Guy has kind of been involved in this for a, for a while now. Um, and it's wonderful just to, to see, hear, see and hear a love story come out of, you know, their mouths. It's, it's just really exciting. I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't wait to share it with everyone. And this isn't the, is this the first time it's been staged or was it staged? I know this is the first time. This is the first time. The first so time. we've been developing it. It was kind of, it was developed through Griffin studio programs. So I was a studio artist last year. Um, and so we kind of had a bit of time to, to, to work through it and try and iron out some of the kinks, I guess. Um, yeah. and, um, you know, get it to a point where it's ready to go up into rehearsal in about a, a week, which is terrifying. Oh, it is terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, how, how do you, how do you do that? How do you iron out the kinks in that? What do you find? Well, I mean, I guess, how do you sit there and go, that doesn't work, scrap it, or that's, that's gold and we'll keep um, it? Um, I'm really indecisive. So I rely on other people. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, uh, unashamedly a, a plagiarizer. If someone has a good idea, I'll whack it in um, and yeah, put my name yeah. to it. <laughs> so, look, I think it's really difficult, although I do think it's clear when you hear something out loud. Um, you can kind of, the, the cadence is off or that you, you, you hear the plot holds or someone has a question that has you go, oh, that's that's not clear enough, I need to fix it up. So in the collaboration, I think it becomes clear what what needs to be fixed. And as for the bits that work, I mean, I don't think a play's ever finished, so I'm going to agonise mm. over this for, you know, the next 70 years um, yeah. <laughs> and keep working on it. But, you know, I for me, I just, I, I find that if I'm if I'm vaguely happy with something, then I'm happy to, to leave it and move on. Um, but we'll see what happens in rehearsal, I'm sure. I'll be slashing and cutting and changing and all of that. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting that it's constantly evolving. Like, in, and you're right, like, players are never like even if you put it in print and you slap and like there that's it people are still going to change it to their own meaning when it's eventually performed by other people i suppose because it's the nature of theater really. exactly exactly i think if, if theater was something that was fixed i wouldn't want to do it <laughs> like this yeah idea no there's no point <laughs> exactly. no point exactly well playwriting itself it can be a really lonely process i know like doing this podcast like i get to talk to amazing artists like yourself but sometimes even i sit here going like oh it's a bit of a lonely process um so how do you keep yourself involved with other writers and and overcome like those obstacles i suppose um i kind of enjoy the loneliness um yeah, yeah there's nothing like sitting at your desk with a glass of pinot and staring oh. at a blank screen um, that is true that is true <laughs> with only your own thoughts to torment you um no in saying that <laughs> I do think it is important to convene, not just with writers, but other artists as well. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who are incredible writers, um, but also friends who work in other areas or are completely removed from the arts. And I actually find it really important to talk about my ideas with with family, with those mates, um, with artists, just to kind of get a sense of 
you know, is it going to land with different audiences? I, I don't know. Some writers think we sh- you should kind of discard this idea of writing for an audience and so on. But I think, I do think it's part of that process. I think you kind of, I don't want to write something that nobody wants to bloody come and see. That's um, true. That is true. <laughs> and you never know where a great perspective or idea or thought or provocation is going to come from. Sometimes it's just from talking to your nan. She's like, oh, have you thought about this? And it's like, oh. Oh, okay, man. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think it's important. Jumping on that, I suppose, and talking about collaborating with other people, I've been trying to get a lot of advice recently from artists and creatives that we have on um, the podcast, more for young up-and-coming creatives to inspire them. So I guess what advice would you give for somebody like yourself who is, you know, is doing acting and it's not really for them and they go, you know what, I feel like I want to tell my story. I guess what advice would you give them to journey into that? Oh, God. I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask because I just advocate for a lot of drinking. But um, I would would say just to start, don't wait for anyone Mm. to give you permission because they're probably not going to. Um, I think when I first started writing, I would just lounge around my – I was living in Sydney at the time, lounge about waiting for someone to discover me through my laundry window. And I was like, this isn't going to happen. So Hello. I just, <laughs> excuse me, I've got five pages of a script here. Um, <laughs> so I just started writing and I can't remember where I read it, but I've read something once about how when you first start something, your, your taste is more advanced than your actual skill and ability. And I think that's very true. I don't think anyone's a natural much. Um, uh, so when I first started writing, I was kind of cringing a bit and going, this isn't what I want it to be. This isn't the, you know, magnum opus I thought I was going to be creating, but you know, you've just got to kind of push through those, those feelings of wanting to sense yourself and stop because it's not good enough and just keep working at it. However many thousand hours you're supposed to do at something, um, start working towards that. And I would also say that, you know, when I started writing, I was heavily influenced by certain writers and I tried to imitate their style. And I think that's quite common for people who are first starting out in, in writing. And it took me a while to shake. And I think the sooner you can shake it and just write like you, um, I think that's that, you know, your work will be better. You'll start to develop your own style and your craft will improve. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think, yeah, just, just uh, to quote Nike, just do it. You just got <laughs> to do it. Um, no, I think that's really it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, when you go into a new element of theatre that you're not, I suppose you're not, like, familiar with or you're, like, umming and ahhing about, it can be a little bit foreboding, I suppose, a little bit, like, sickly to go, oh, I don't know if I'm quite cut out for this. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, just, uh, what's the word? Just, like, like banish your inner critic. And kind yeah. Of just, you know, don't listen to them. Um and banish the critics who will, who do exist and will come at you in real life too. Because, you know, I, I think that some people don't, don't approach, um, new artists with the kindness and the nurturing kind of approach that, that they need and deserve. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a story to tell. Yeah. No, that's great. That's really good. Great insight. Do you have, I know this is a pretty big question. Do you have anything else like, in, in the brain that's like, oh, I really want to do this? Or is there like a passion story that you feel you might want to put on paper later oh, on? Oh, that is a big question. I'm fascinated by the climate at the moment, I think. Fascinated, concerned, worried, all of those things, like everyone, yeah. I think, yeah, um, in, yeah. in the world. And wanting to think about um, a, a story that doesn't just report on the situation we're in, because we all know it's shit. 
but actually kind of offers something in terms of like a, a way forward and so on. But I'm not a scientist. And I can't help anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, know. I mean, I've cut out my little recycling. Like I'm, I'm yeah. doing my recycling, not using plastic. I'm doing my part. Exactly. I've got a work farm. Yeah. I've got all these things. Um, yeah, so I would like to write something in the climate space. And I've got a few ideas and a few projects happening that, that are touching on it. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's something that's in that that wanky way bubbling bubbling away and i need to think about you know how it's gonna how i'm gonna wrangle it and how it's gonna come yeah exactly well dylan thank you so much for giving us your insight on uh white fella yellow tree i'm really quite interested to see this one when i was reading about it i was like i was like like i've said before like i was like this is an interesting story that you don't generally get to see so i think everyone should get along to go and see this at the griffin theater um, I'm pretty sure I've got the dates right, but it's the 12th of August to the 17th of September. So you're starting rehearsals soon. So all the best with your rehearsals. I hope you find things to keep and then you also find things that aren't quite working and just cut them out. <laughs> Thanks so much, Justin. I look forward to seeing you and hopefully lots of you there. Thank you to Aisha Herbert for helping to organise today's episode. A massive thank you to Dylan Vandenberg for joining us on the podcast. Whitefella Yellow Tree plays at the SBW Stables Theatre in King's Cross from the 12th of August to the 17th of September 2022. Tickets can be booked at griffintheatre.com.au. That's it for another episode of the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. If you have a production you're wanting to promote, have a thought on theatre you wish to highlight, or feel like you can bring diverse and insightful conversation to the podcast, why not come on as a Theatre Thoughts co-host? We're looking for new and exciting people to come and feature in future podcasts and talk with our amazing guests. Contact our team now at theatrethoughtsteam at outlook.com or by hitting us up on our socials. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time here on the Theatre Thoughts Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.